Welcome to the Total Freedom Podcast, where you can build your total freedom lifestyle and live your life doing what you want, when you want, with whomever you want. And now, here is your host, John Racine. Welcome to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. I am your host, John Racine. This is episode number four. On today's episode, I interview somebody who lives up in Canada, has a business doing one thing and has a side business doing something completely different that is very much in alignment with where I'm taking the Total Freedom Podcast. So sit back and enjoy episode number four of the Total Freedom Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. I'm really excited for today's guest. He is somebody who has a background doing search engine optimization SEO, and then he completely pivoted into doing something that is completely different and so needed in the world that we're in today. It's my pleasure to bring on Josh Robachinsky. Josh, welcome. Hi, John. Thanks very much. It's my pleasure. So search engine optimization, it's not the sexiest of things, and and some of the audience may not even know what that (laughs) is. So I know you don't do it anymore, but let's talk about what it was so we can get to where you are. Sure. Well, uh, first off, I'm still doing search engine optimization uh, because no one wants to pay a philosopher for anything, (laughs) (laughs) least of which their opinion on how to fix everything. I find there's a direct correlation to uh, what people want to pay to hear. based on how much money they can make directly in as few steps as possible. So it's kind of funny. Uh, you know, I did a master's degree and a PhD, ABD in neuroscience, psychology, and philosophy. I've spent, I've dedicated my life to learning uh, philosophy and ethics and morality and meditation and how this can save not only your soul, save relationships, but it can save the world literally in, in, uh, in very distinct and important ways. And I find this um, very important, but it's somewhat abstract and many steps removed from Josh, how do I make money with any knowledge you have right now that you could tell me, right? <laughs> Whereas SEO, search engine optimization, I reverse engineer Google's algorithms for a living. That's how I put food on the table. So I took uh, you know all the studying I did in philosophy and I just applied it to Google and just reverse engineer through the scientific method, their, uh, their algorithms. And, and, without sounding like I'm, I'm not trying to brag, but I'm, I'm pretty good at it. And so I have a group of about a hundred mentorship students who pay me 300 bucks a month for that knowledge, but they, you know, and that's, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but, but I have all this other knowledge too <laughs> about meditation and about improving your life and improving everyone's lives. And I, I could see very clearly what the problems are that we're all dealing with right now. And so uh, I feel like Socrates, who uh, or Cassandra, really, actually. I feel like Cassandra, in the old myth of Troy, uh, if you recall that myth, she was the, uh, the daughter of, of Priam and the sister of Paris, who bar- borrowed, quote-unquote, Helen of Troy, and, <laughs> and brought her over from the Argives, from the Greeks. And Cassandra was uh, cursed and blessed by Apollo that she could see the truth and she could see what was going to happen, but the curse was known uh, no one would ever listen to her. So I kind of feel like Cassandra in that way. Everybody listens to me in the stuff that, you know, I I find boring and mundane and I don't want to talk about, but no one wants to listen to me in the meditation stuff. So hopefully today we have a switch and people find the meditation and philosophy stuff interesting and how it can improve their life, how they can hack their brain and how we can hack society and make everything better. 
You know, for me, myself, it, it's only been in the last couple of years that I've gone on that journey and gotten to a more enlightened type state. And it's definitely a journey and a process. How did it come across for you? When did you realize that there was something else out there and this was it? That's a great question. So um, it didn't happen very organically. I've been doing martial arts for 30 years. I have three black belts, two of them in two different kinds of internal based uh, Chinese Kung Fu's. Uh, one's called uh, Changshir Baguazan, uh, and the other is uh, Yin Fu Baguazan. And uh, for anyone who's done any internal martial arts, uh, especially of the Chinese variety like Tai Chi, uh, Qigong, uh, any of these Kung Fu's, they know that um, meditation is definitely part of that uh, tradition. And um, but it's, it's quite frankly, you know, um, it's been watered down a little bit and you don't get a lot of the secrets and the brain hacks that, that actually exist there that I've, I've, I've luckily rediscovered. So I didn't come by, other than that, I didn't come by meditation in the Eastern sense very, uh, very uh, prolifically until my Western studies in philosophy, and that involved, you know, all the way from Socrates up to Nietzsche, you know, everything in the Western tradition, you know, Plato, Augustine, Machiavelli, Cicero, Bacon, Hobbes, Descartes, Rousseau, you know, et cetera. All, all the who's who of Western philosophy. I studied all of them. I had a very good education in that regard. I was very lucky to find good teachers in that regard. And then the light struck me one day. I realized what Plato and all those guys were talking about is the same thing that a lot of the Eastern philosophers and meditation were talking about. And that the concept of enlightenment is kind of the bridge between the West and the East in a way that I think is, is not really well understood these days. The way most people study meditation these days is that they, you know, they take a meditation class they think that meditation is sitting there and breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth and staring at the, the, the paint drying on the wall or closing your eyes and just kind of relaxing. And that's quote unquote meditation. And that's like step number one of a thousand steps. And I realized that the, 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 the mystics and the Sufis of the Western tradition, like Al-Ghazali, Boethius, uh, and then Al-Farabi on that side, all coming from Plato and Aristotle largely, we're talking about the same stuff that the Buddhists are talking about, that the that the Taoists are talking about, and it's it's all the same thing. And when you put it together, you get something very special. Interesting. And how long did it take you to discover that? So, uh, sorry, that was your original question, right? <laughs> so, uh, so a long time, almost as long as my long-winded answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so it so it, it took my whole career, right? I just recently realized this because a little a little more about me, um, uh, you know, and it's going to get a little bit sad, but I, I promise to turn around to being happy at the end. So sadly, I was physically and emotionally abused as a child uh, that that developed into a clinical anxiety uh, and depression disorder, and that's uh, why my PhD is ABD. I actually quit my PhD for a number of reasons, not the least of which is I couldn't afford it anymore. PhDs are expensive. My mother was dying with leukemia at the time, and so I had to leave Toronto and come back to Victoria, where she where she was and where I am. 
but also because quite frankly, my anxiety disorder had gotten so bad that I really couldn't handle much of it anymore. If I'm being perfectly truthful. And so I was still mired in this Western way of thinking. And I had a lot of neuroscience and psychology that told me a lot of brain hacks and tricks to deal with anxiety. But to be perfectly blunt, uh, out of complete selfishness, I tried to put the Eastern stuff that I had learned and the Western stuff I had learned together as a platform for discovery just to combat my own anxiety disorder and, uh, uh, and depression. And, uh, and it worked. I was able to, uh, when I focused those things, two things together, I was able to make uh, progress in these brain hacks that have uh, had tremendous effect on all aspects of my life. And so the, the, the total time that took me to do it, I'd say my entire life, my entire career, I've always been thinking about philosophy. So I'm 45 years old. I've been seriously thinking about philosophy ever since I was a child, you know, wondering big, deep philosophical questions. So it's, it's mostly been a lifelong pursuit. Okay. I would, before we dig into some of the, the nuances, which I definitely want to do, what do you say or how do you address people that have that very Western type of thought and mentality on this? I myself took a long time to, to come to the other side and to see the benefits. But for someone who maybe has never considered it or doesn't know what it could do, how do you talk to those people? That's a great question. Um, what I would say is this, is that there's, there's, a, there's two different dialogues in which you can explain what's going on. There's the Eastern dialogue in which we're going to talk metaphorically and poetically about chi. We're going to talk about balance. We're going to talk about uh, spinning the clouds. We're going to talk about uh, oblivion. We're going to talk about uh, uh, percolating the bubbles. We're gonna, we have all these these poetic and metaphorical ways of talking about how we're going to try to get conscious control of our brains. If we were to talk about that in the Western way, we'd get into a neuroscientific kind of way of talking. And we can talk about different parts of the brain a little bit in that regard. But quite frankly, we, we lack the, the vocabulary in the West to talk about it in the same way we can talk about it in the East. And that's simply because I can't, I don't have an fMRI machine and I can't plug you into it. And I can't say, okay, now use your A24 neuron to uh, affect your B48 neuron. I, we don't have that language, right? I can't talk that way. But that would be the exact, that would be the literal way to talk about it. We can still get at the same stuff by talking the, the hokey metaphorical way. It's just we have to be a little hokey and a little poetic and, and use some poetic concepts. But once we get over that, then, then, then we're able to move forward with the meditation. Got it. Now, I know from my own experience, I really struggled when I try to do what I, and I'm air quoting, you can't see it, but when I was doing traditional type of meditation and I had to find an alternative. And for me, I found a really good one, which is a company called Centerpoint. And they're, it's almost guided, but it's, you pop the headphones on and the music tones help to get you into that meditative state. How do you do it? Or what are some of your recommendations about beginning on a journey like this? So that's another really good question. So I have, I have two recommendations. I too have the exact same kind of uh, uh, meditation assistant app that I've constructed. It's based on all of the secrets I've learned to date, both the West and the East. It also has some of the things you just mentioned in terms of uh, tonality 
in this case, to create more of a theta wave state in which uh, neuroscience has uh, proven that will make you more suggestive and make, make you uh, better at reconfiguring your limbic system. And so I use that trick plus about 50 other tricks in this meditation assistant, both, uh, both new and old, both west and east. Uh, but I mean, so that's a, a self-guided uh, way of going about it. There's also the, 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 the mentor way of going about it. I have a, I have a, a YouTube video podcast uh, show on meditation that I put out every week. It's at Bach Meditation, B-A-C-H, Bach Meditation. You can search it on YouTube. It should probably come up. It's very new. I've only done a few episodes. There's hardly anybody has found it yet, but I intend to keep doing it. And so if you prefer the talking way, the mentor way of someone talking you through the concepts and the way of doing it, you can do it that way. Or if you like the self-guided meditation, you could do that. Either is good, but I will admit that the self-guided meditation has got so many tricks built into it that I'd say that you would get deeper, faster, better with the self-guided probably if you did it on a regular basis. Um, but you do sometimes need some of the, the discussion and the explanation around the concepts. And so sometimes it's good also to listen to the, the mentorship as well. Perfect. One of the other things that I hear for a lot of people as an objection that's out there is the amount of time that it would take to get into a regular pattern of meditation. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, they're absolutely correct. Um, it is like exercise. It's exercise for your soul. Uh, mindfulness, soulfulness requires exercise as much as your, your body, your physique requires exercise. The, the good thing about meditation is it can be done almost anywhere. As long as it's quiet enough and you're calm enough and you have 20 minutes to sit and, and do your meditation, it could be done on a daily basis uh, as opposed to working out. You know, if you feel like you need to go to the gym, that's a whole rigmarole, right? You need to put your gym clothes on. You need to get up. You need to go there. Meditation is much easier in that regard. So you, could do, you can meditate almost anywhere. As long as you're not in an anxious state or as long as you don't have too much stimulation of people screaming at you or walking by or bugging you, that kind of a thing. As long as you find a quiet corner anywhere, you can do meditation. And the results are profound, and I'm glad that you've, you've discovered some of the results as well. Um, and so it definitely is worth doing, but I have to admit, it does require a little bit of discipline. Luckily, with my meditation assistant, I've also snuck in some self-hypnosis tricks and so I make it quite addictive to use to, as, as, I, as much as I can for, for, for people's own good, of course. I'm making it as addictive as possible, as habit forming as possible to, to, to keep meditating and, and do those good habits. The meditation assistant currently is free. If I ever decide to charge for it in the future, I'll tell you right now what my payment model will be. I will charge 44 cents for every 24 hour period you do not meditate. If you ah. meditate every 24-hour period, because I'm not trying to get rich on this. I, I reverse engineer Google's algorithms. That, that gives me more money than I ever could have made as a professor. I, I want to have the world meditating. The world needs to meditate, especially no more so than now. We need to find enlightenment, and we need to reach enlightenment. I'd really love to discuss enlightenment more with you, John, after this, if possible. And um, so my payment model is based on, you know, if you it's based on Socrates' argument in Plato's Apology. And just a quick background on that. Uh, of course, the Athenians got too pissed off at Socrates because he was going around and, and saying the emperor had no clothes to too many rich people. And so they put him up on trial to convict him of some trumped-up charges. 
And uh, in the Athenian court in the time, the, the defendant gets to propose uh, a punishment after he's found guilty, and he was found guilty, uh, largely because Socrates wouldn't shut up and would keep being, being his annoying self in, in the trial. Uh, and uh, they said, Socrates, what should your punishment be? And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is very close. He said, you should uh, house me and keep me in the same uh, buildings you house and keep the Olympic athletes and pay me to tell you how you're all wrong and how you're all stupid and what you should be doing instead. <laughs> Unsurprisingly, they did not take that <laughs> suggestion. Instead, I, I they suggested... I don't know why. I, yeah, I don't know why, Socrates. Instead, they suggested death by hemlock, and Socrates was too uh, stubborn. He took the punishment, drank the hemlock, and of course, they put him to death. So my uh, uh, meditation assistant is based on the same philosophy. The vicious will, is the, will power the virtuous. Vice is the most renewable human resource that exists. And so for those who are sadly too lazy or, or, or too uh, stressed or whatever it is to meditate in a 24-hour period, their 44 cents are going to go towards everybody else who's meditating in a 24-hour period, uh, and therefore the app would be free for those people. If you meditate on a daily basis, the app will always be free for you because that's my goal. I want people to meditate every day because it's so important. We need to meditate in the fullest sense, which I don't think people even understand yet. We need to talk about that as well. Yeah, I think you've hit on some marketing gold with that model. So I think that's absolutely genius. I, I hope so. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it'll work. <laughs> Great. Let's move over. You want to talk about enlightenment. Let's move over into that realm right now. Define it for us. What, what do you call it? So that's, so that's perfect. So Here's the other thing about meditation, and I was trying to allude to this earlier, in that for the most part, people in meditation think that it's just sitting with your eyes closed and relaxing. Largely, really. Now, don't get me wrong. Relaxing is great. We, we're usually too stressed. We should relax on a, on, a, on a much greater basis, for sure. But enlightenment is so much more than that. And there's another concept coming from the East that has kind of been filtered through postmodernism started by Nietzsche and has unfortunately a virus of nihilism that has attached itself to it. And it's this. It's the kind of Zen Buddhist notion of seeking oblivion, seeking nothingness, trying to be empty, trying to feel nothing. And this has recently been equated with enlightenment. The So this adage goes is that once you're able to be empty and you feel nothing, uh, uh, you're suddenly enlightened. It's also t attached to uh, uh, what I'm considering to be the wrong Buddhist notion of uh, divorcing yourself from all material things, divorcing yourself from all of your attachments. This, this in my opinion, is, is not enlightenment. And, or if it's enlightenment, it's not an enlightenment that's worth having in any way. Enlightenment is the exact opposite of nothingness. It's filled with goodness. It's filled with light. It's filled with joy. It's filled with positivity. An enlightenment that has no good in it is not very enlightened at all. And that is coming from the West. That's coming from Plato and Plato's central concept of the good. For those of you who are familiar with Plato, you know that in book seven of his Republic, he did the cave metaphor. And very quickly, the cave metaphor is like a, a movie theater, if you will. And a political life is sitting in the movie theater, and they're literally chained and boarded into the movie theater. 
And all the political ideas from Trump and Trudeau and all the leaders are being put to them on, on the, the wall of the, of the, the screen of the movie theater. But outside the movie theater, outside of that cave, is a beautiful forest with the sun, and that's where the real truth is. And that's what the scientists are trying to get to, and that's what the philosophers are trying to get to. And the sun is literally, in Plato's philosophy, an image of the concept of the good, the concept of positivity, the concept of, of goodness, the concept of likableness. It is the maximal, ultimate, optimal, positive feeling and concept. And that is the concept that orients everything and that, for lack of a better English, ingoodens everything, that makes everything positive, that makes everything worth doing in the first place. And so enlightenment, or any other activity for that matter, is not worth having unless it partakes in that maximal ultimate good. And that's what makes people enlightened. The enlightened know about this goodness and this joy and this positivity and seeking it. And that's what meditation in the fullest Western and Eastern sense is supposed to provide. Not this emptiness, not nihilism, because that doesn't help the person. The oblivion is a method we use, the Zen Buddhist method we use in meditation, but it's only used to tamp down emotions when they're too powerful uh, to, to cope with at that particular moment. I'll give you a real personal life example. Uh, it's a little bit sad, but again, I'll, I'll, I'll turn it happy at the end. So I mentioned that my mother was suffering from leukemia. So she recently passed away from it. And uh, I was there bedside with her when she committed doctor-assisted suicide because the pain of her leukemia was too great. Uh, her body could not uh, uh, produce enough oxygen or, or, or render the oxygen that she was taking. It's like she was suffocating in her own juices. So I, I was there with her. And as you can imagine, that was a very stressful um, a very stressful situation. Uh, and I was able to use the Zen Buddhist oblivion methods to, to obliterate those emotions I was feeling at the moment so I could be present and soulful and, and attached and, and, and there with my mother uh, while she went through this very difficult uh, and very emotional process. Hi, I just wanted to take a quick minute to thank you for listening to the Total Freedom Podcast. We spend a lot of time on this show talking about resiliency, overcoming challenges, and achieving greatness in your life. And I wanted to invite you to discover the Resolve System, my own unique take on how to overcome virtually any challenge in your life. I've outlined the seven steps of the Resolve Formula that will take you through just about any challenge you could have in life or business. So head over to totalfreedompodcast.com forward slash resolve and check out the video. Thanks so much. That's about a, the most definitive of a description and actual case study of what you're talking about as I could possibly fathom. Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't looking to conduct that experiment <laughs> for sure. But, uh, but it, you know, life happens. And, and that's what the Zen Buddhist method of, of uh, oblivion, seeking oblivion, seeking the nothing is for it's for those kinds of moments when the emotion is too much and the, the emotions threaten to overwhelm you and get in the way of you of you uh, performing uh, your best in the best way seeking the good in the goodest way and of course you can't bottle up emotions forever you have to process it later and so meditation is good for that as well uh, of course but in the moment in an emergency scenario or in a or in a in a terrible emotional scenario like that that is where the nihilistic uh, oblivion methods are, in my opinion, best used. 
not as a catch-all to just be numb and not have to feel anything at all. That, in my opinion, is not enlightenment. And sadly, uh, we have to contend with that that current kind of uh, perversion of the idea, and we need to turn from that perversion towards what's better. Okay. In your mind, then, is it fair to say that you see enlightenment as a destination and not necessarily a journey? Oh, yeah. So that's such a really good question. So it's metaphors like that that, you know, are like both the best thing and the worst thing, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so yes, it's a journey and it continues. It does develop. It does evolve. Uh, but it's, it is also a destination in that you know when you get there. Um, and in combating my anxiety disorder, I, I know when the anxiety is, is diminishing and the good is swelling. I know when, for lack of a better way of saying it, I know when the good is, is I'm partaking in it and I know what I'm feeling it. I know what I'm, what I'm, I'm jiving with it for lack of a better way of explaining. And, um, uh, it's, it's a, it's a destination and a journey. Uh, you have to go to many times, uh, you know. The more you meditate, the more you live inside the 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 good town, for for to use another metaphor. The the less you meditate, the more you live on the suburbs, and you come and visit every now and then. And it would be better to live in the shining city than outside of it. Uh, but it all depends, up, of course, on the the road you need to travel. I'm really I'm really laboring the metaphor now. The road <laughs> you the road you need to travel. It depends on your life and your experiences and what you've encountered, how much abuse you've suffered. Sadly how much damage to your limbic system, literally is what we're talking about, how much damage to your limbic system you've, you've, enca- you've encountered, and uh, how much that you need to uh, gain uh, frontal and neocortex uh, control of that limbic system to change it towards uh, more positive feelings, towards a good operation. And I, when I say good, I mean capital G good. So everything, for me, everything comes back to the good. Okay. Now, in your experience, is the journey to enlightenment only done through meditation or is that just one of the vehicles? Oh, so that's, that's the next perfect question. So it, I would say, yes, it's only done through meditation, but meditation is not limited to us sitting here on our butts uh, with, you know, our two fingers closed and, and, and just relaxing all the time. It has to include your lifestyle and your life choices, of course, because that's going to affect the result. So it is your it is a full journey in the fullest sense, but it also has to include the Western concept of meditation. The West has had meditation as long as the East has. The ancient Hebrews had meditation as well as the Han Dynasty has for the last five thousand years. Buddhists have for the last five thousand years. The difference is in the West's uh, uh, concept of meditation also included contemplation. Contemplation of concepts, i.e., philosophy. It also dovetails into prayer, in you know one of the three monotheisms, uh, like or is like when uh, Descartes wrote his Meditations on First Philosophy. He describes about how he had to remove himself from society and go live in a cabin, so he could rid himself of all the ideas that he thought were true and boil it down to the base product, of course, which is his favorite, is his famous. Uh, Kogito, Kogigo Ergo Sum, I think as such I am. Uh, that's the kind of concept of meditation that the West has. So the East provides the music, if you will. I have to talk a metaphor again. The East provides the emotion and the feeling. The West provides the conceptual structure 
and the justifications for. And that is a very powerful system. So, because now we have both sides of the brain, left and right brain working together. We have, uh, we have uh, emotions and feelings, uh, great hacks there with, uh, uh, the right, uh, justified concepts all working together to provide a much more cohesive, powerful system. Okay. So, so far, we've talked a little bit about the whys and a little bit about the hows, but what is the ultimate benefit of getting to an enlightened state or in using meditation to get to an end point? What are some of the benefits that people will see as a result of this? The, the benefits, of course, are the payoff, and that's indeed why you would do it. And I wouldn't ask anyone to do any, anything unless it was going to be good for them, of course. But the, the payoff for meditation, I cannot understate uh, how powerful it is to reach enlightenment in this regard. It changes everything in your life uh, dramatically, and therefore it affects the lives of everyone around you. It changes uh, your complete moral structure. It changes your complete ethical structure. It orients you towards the good. It orients you towards acting only on good things that are doing good things for other people and doing so in a good way. It orients you, uh, uh, it allows you to practice how to die, which is, a, which is the Socratic equivalent, uh, and know thyself, which is the Socratic equivalent of, of the Buddhist uh, uh, removing yourself from attachments, in which you know exactly what attachments to remove yourself from and which ones not to, because they're good attachments. Not all attachments are bad attachments. Uh, you're pretty attached to food. You can't get rid of that. You're pretty attached to sleep. You can't get rid of that either, right? And you're pretty attached to your friends, and you're pretty attached to your, your spouse or your life partner, at least I hope so. And providing that those people are good for you and they're not bad for you, you there's no reason to remove yourself from those attachments either because they're adding joy and goodness to your life. If the end goal isn't good, then why are we doing it? So that uh, put, put together, that gives you the orientation. It's going to change your, your, your whole philosophy of life. It's going to change your whole meditative state. Uh, I'm not saying it's a cure for clinical anxiety disorder uh, because that would be irresponsible. Uh, so I'm not saying stop going seeing your therapist and stop taking medications. I'm definitely not saying that. But I can say that, that I am not on any current medications for anxiety disorder anymore. And I'm not seeing a therapist anymore. And I have completely for myself been able to curtail and control my anxiety and depression, even with this tremendous uh, emotional things that just happened to me. And my mother just passed in uh, December on, on close to Christmas. So that's not that, that far away. Right. Right. So it, it, it I'm not saying, you know, uh, I, it would be irresponsible for me to give you a sales pitch like, Oh, just ditch your medication and therapist and just listen to me. Not only would that be irresponsible for me to say, I don't want to take on that responsibility, <laughs> quite frankly, right. of being Absolutely. the world's the world's therapist. All I'm saying is that add this to your 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 already your your structure you're already doing. Add this to your routine. Add this to your regimen because it has definitely helped me. It's definitely helped my wife. Uh, we're living more joyous, uh, fulfilled lives. Uh, we're in sync. We're together. Uh, we don't fight as often, or if at all. We are completely cohesive, and and the more people you add and get cohesion with as we orient ourselves to the, our conception of the good, the less fighting you have, the less uh, feedback you have, the less it, it reduces superfluous debate to the absolute minimum as to how are we going to accomplish the good, and not questions of what is the good in the first place, right? 
And this is how we start uh, panning out to the rest of society. And this is how we start panning out to see that this terrible tribalism we have these days, this is how we conquer tribalism of the extreme left and the extreme right, which under this paradigm, it looks like they're never going to be able to see eye to eye. And I think it's pretty clear this is causing a huge problem for the world right now because it is making us completely disorganized and not able to handle any emergencies, never mind the accidental war that might occur or the accidental, what, what about the next pandemic? And what about the next climate catastrophe? We need to have everyone on the same page as to what the good is so we can reduce superfluous debate down to just how are we going to acquire it? And this uh, meditation in the broadest philosophical sense of orienting towards the good and using emotional brain hacks that come from Buddhism and Taoism and what else, and from neuroscience as well, and from psychology, all these like 20, 50 different hacks that I know of orienting everybody to be on the same page so that we're all cohesive and, and homogenous in that regard. And the more you do it, it literally, it's, a, it's, it's, it's aggregate. The more this happens, the better the world gets. Awesome. We've covered a whole lot of topics here. Is there a question that I should have asked you that maybe I didn't know or didn't think to ask you about meditation, enlightenment, or something else? Um, <laughs> that's a good question too. You're asking a lot of good questions, John. <laughs> I do my best. <laughs> well, um, uh, it's not one that you should have asked, but it's one that you can ask. And if you'd like to, I, if, 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 if you'd like, and if you think your listeners would like, I'd like to give you a very brief meditation lesson on just one of these brain hacks that I discovered that you probably have never heard before. Yeah, please go right ahead. Okay, great. Well, this one is from the Buddhist tradition. And it's called spin the clouds or break the clouds. And so if I can, just very quickly, I'd like to give you just a quick a two-minute lesson in this. And uh, so let's give it a try, okay? Absolutely. Okay. So the first thing we need to do is we do need to calm down a little bit. And we just need to breathe a little bit. Try and relax. Eyes open or closed, doesn't matter. You can put your hands in any position you want. It doesn't really matter. And uh, as I proceed, I just want you to know there's no wrong answer. This is not a test. There's no wrong answers. Every, any answer you give will be the right answer. So I don't want anyone feeling nervous out there or any anxiety out there or any more than they need to feel. And now it's a very simple question. And I want you to just feel in your body where you're feeling your emotions and where you're feeling your feelings. Just where in your body are you feeling what you're feeling? First, you have to kind of pay attention to what you're feeling. You know, you might be a little sore. Your muscles might be a little sore. Maybe you just worked out. Maybe you have, you're suffering from the coronavirus like I am, and your chest is burning and, and feels like there's a, a, a 10-pound weight on it. Uh, maybe you, you're a little anxious. Maybe you're, you're feeling whatever emotions you're feeling. You're like, this is kind of weird. What is Josh talking about? That's fine. All those feelings are perfectly valid. Now, I want you to feel where in your body you're feeling. Just focus for a moment on where physically located in your body, or is it even in your body? I feel all my emotions about uh, three inches just past my breastbone, and uh, almost like what, the, what some in the Eastern tradition called the chi ball, just, just three inches past my breastbone in between my pectoral muscles is kind of a ball of emotion. That's kind of where I feel my emotions there. Maybe you're the same, maybe not. Maybe you feel them in your chest cavity. Maybe you feel it in your gut. Maybe you feel it more up into your, into your head. That's fine. 
doesn't matter where you're feeling it, just wherever you're feeling it, focus on that feeling. Feel that feeling. Really, really kind of, to use a metaphor, as if it was a piece of food, kind of really roll it around on your tongue and get the dimensions of it. Get the three dimensions, the, the bumps of it. Get the, the pulsating feeling of it or the whatever, however it, however it feels to you. That's the first step. So once you're feeling it and once you, once you know where you're feeling it, good. Now, here's the second step, and this one is really cool. Feel what direction it's turning or moving. If it is moving in a direction, feel what direction it's moving. Maybe it's rotating like a ball. Maybe it's flexing in and out like uh, smoke. Maybe it's pulsating. Maybe it's spinning. And if you're like, well, Josh, I don't, I don't think it is moving in any direction. Okay, then I want you to give it a direction. I need to coin a new word that's like feel slash imagine. So it's, or it's not, you're not really imagining this, you're feeling it, but you're consciously trying to change the feelings. And I want you to spin it in a certain direction. And just to keep it simple, try spinning it like a galaxy spins, like our Milky Way galaxy. Try spinning it like a hurricane from the top down. Try spinning it like a top, if you can. But you don't have to do that if you don't want to. If you feel it, like my, my emotions for some reason are very complex, and I feel them bubbling up like a Mobius strip. And then they, they come in and out and kind of coalesce in, in, co coalesce in, in themselves. Kind of like that scene in Terminator 2 when the, uh, the evil shape-shifting Terminator is burning in the, in the uh, molten steel at the end of the movie, and it, it kind of comes up and boils into itself and like curls. That's what my emotions feel like. I don't know. That's kind of a very Gen X 90s reference for you. <laughs> if someone's seen that movie, maybe they know what I'm talking about. But that's how my emotions feel. But however your emotions feel, however they're moving, that's fine. So relax. Feel how your emotions are, are moving. And now step three is the kicker. Once you feel which way your emotions are moving, now I want you to break it. I want you to consciously feel them moving in the exact opposite direction, whatever that means. So once you find out which way your emotions are feeling, any, any, any direction is fine. Whatever direction you make them move is fine, or you feel they're moving is fine. Even if they're not moving, that's fine. Because here's step number three, and step number three is the kicker. I want you to feel as if the emotions and feelings are not moving in that direction. I want you to literally consciously feel them moving in a different direction, the opposite direction. So if you're spinning clockwise, now you feel it spinning counterclockwise. If it was boiling up into itself, then I want you to, to break it and strip it and cut it and move it like you're cutting and kneading hands, uh, uh, sorry, as if you're cutting and kneading dough with your hands on a table. I want you to tear it apart. I want you to tear it again and again and again. I want you to keep blocking the way it's moving, keep imagining and feeling it moving in the exact opposite direction again and again and again. So it moves this way, you break it. It moves this way, you break it. Until it's like you have dough and you're just ripping it into pieces and it comes back together and you're ripping it into pieces. So in my, in my Bach meditation method, a yawn, which I just did, I don't know if you heard, is a signal of a calm, it's a calming signal in, in mammals. 
and it's a sign that my body is uh, the limbic system is uh, from a fight or flight or agitation state decided to go one level down, so to speak. So that's what you want to see, and that's what you want to feel, and hopefully that's what will happen to you if you practice this method enough. It's called spinning the clouds. I also call it break the clouds. And so it's just feeling whatever way your emotions are feeling, and you can practice this anytime. I suggest you practice it on a regular basis. The more practice you do, the better at it you'll get, and the more amazing control over your emotions you're going to gain through this method. And some brilliant Buddhist in the last 5,000 years thought this up. And it's, a, it's been handed down over the years until I finally acquired it. And I feel so blessed that this is the case. And now I've passed it on to you guys. And, I, and it has helped my life tremendously. It is one of the main methods I used in that recent uh, very traumatic experience. And if you keep practicing it, uh, I guarantee you it'll work for you guys as well. Well, thank you for that. That was a very powerful little lesson. Very much appreciated. It's my pleasure. Did, did you feel anything, John? Did you feel a difference? I did. Yeah, I definitely did. Cause I was going through it right with you as you were doing it. And I definitely did. Fantastic. So you want to keep practicing that until, uh, you actually yawn. And when you feel the yawn, allow yourself to yawn, never stifle a yawn. Interesting. Will do. Josh, how can people reach out and connect with you if they want to learn more, get your app, whatever the case may be? Sure. So um, you can look for me on YouTube. Uh, just search Bach Meditation, B-A-C-H space meditation. You should be able to find my channel in that regard. Uh, you can go to app.meditationassistant.com and try out the Meditation Assistant. And the Meditation Assistant is not going to have that Buddhist method in it necessarily, but it has all the other hacks that I've put in there, plus other hacks I can only do in a Meditation Assistant uh, that are going to help you out. And either way, uh, you'll be able to contact me. Awesome. I'll put all of that in the show notes for all of the listeners. Josh, any final thoughts? You only get one life to live. Uh, I, I believe this in that this is it. And you shouldn't wait. If you have an opportunity to make your life better and it's safe to do so, you should take it. Waiting just pushes badness forward. The faster and better we seek the good, the gooder everything gets, for, again, lack of a better way of saying it. <laughs> so I would, I would recommend that people do it now. What have you got to lose other than uh, you're, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face? You're, you're not seeking the good right now fully. Very good. We'll end it there. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to the Total Freedom Podcast. Josh, it's been a pleasure having you on. Been my pleasure, John. Thank you much, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. Bye-bye. Hi, I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of the Total Freedom Podcast. We want to continue to bring amazing content to help you overcome the challenges in your life, become more resilient, achieve the life of your dreams. So we're going to ask you to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast platform you listen to. That helps us to get ranked higher in the podcast chart so that we can share this message with more people. So again, subscribe, rate, and review, whether it's good, bad, whatever feedback, we'll use that to help make this podcast better. So thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Total Freedom with John Racine at www.totalfreedompodcast.com.